today on DOOMED! The year is coming to an end. 2020 will soon be no more. And on this episode of Doomed with Matt Binder, we will look back. I almost uh, stalled saying that because it truly frightens me to do so. (laughs) We will look back at this year, this hell year, and discuss all of the biggest stories, events, and happenings And in case you needed a reminder, you know, we're doing a quick summary of this all so you know what happened this year, in case you don't remember any of it. (laughs) Let me put myself up on the feed here so you can all see me on the stream. Because, of course, you want to see my beautiful face, right? Who wouldn't? Um, You might notice something as I I, uh, remove the overlays here. Oh, I got a haircut. It's a little bit messed up right now. But I got a haircut. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I got a haircut. And uh, for those of you who know, this might be the biggest happening of 2020. I went quite a long time without a haircut. Um, did it at home. Did not go to uh did not go. To, why is the camera so high? Hold on. Let me. I feel like I'm so low on the screen here. One second. Okay. Okay. Uh, hold on. Let me fix this uh, masking here. Okay. There we go. So uh, now I'm fixing the white balance. Always something going wrong, right? In the beginning of this show, right? Uh, Always something going wrong. But anyway, uh, (laughs) Daniel, Daniel in the um, (laughs) the live chat on YouTube goes, who is that young man, right? Do I look younger? Do I look younger with a haircut? Um, I mean, I didn't cut it that short, guys. Come on, I didn't. I really didn't. Let me fix the mic now. I didn't cut it that short. Um, I did not cut it that short. Uh, Zoe says I didn't know today's show was hosted by Ezra. Funny thing, my son actually had longer hair than I did, and we cut our hair at home together. We did it as a, a father son thing. Well, I mean, he didn't cut my hair and I didn't cut his hair. His mom cut my hair and his hair together. We made a little family thing about it. Enid, my daughter, still hasn't had her first haircut yet, although it's probably coming next. Um, so, yeah, I didn't think this show, this year in review show, would start about talking about my haircut, but here we are. Here we are. Um, but... You know, we I did want to actually start on a uh, on a lighter note, and lighter note still is pretty depressing. Um, not talking about the haircut, <laughs> but since I last talked to you guys, it was a couple days before Christmas, uh, about a week before Christmas actually. Now that I think about it, uh, that was the last episode of the show. I said I would do a show after Christmas. This is the show after Christmas. There'll be a show right after New Year's. Then we'll be back on our regular schedule of weekly do. Yeah, uh, there'll be a show after New Year's. Excuse me. And then we'll be back on our regularly scheduled doomed weekly episodes for now. And then we'll ramp up the schedule and do even more. Um, which I should drop now. Patreon.com/slash/MattBinder. Uh, if you want this show to do more, 
Uh, just need to get us up to that. Uh, what was what was my goal here? Two hundred, right? We're at like one fifty three. We lost a few. We were closer to one sixty. We're now uh, dropped down. If we could get a bunch of patrons during this episode, I don't think we're gonna get up to two hundred. But if we could hit like maybe like hit that one sixty number or get close to it again, that'd be great. We're at like one fifty three now. Um, and so patreon.com slash mapbinder. So we last spoke uh, a couple days before Christmas. And a few days after that, I was rummaging in my local Facebook groups. You know, I, I actually subscribe to a lot of Facebook groups. Uh, if you hate Facebook, I totally get it. I've written articles about how uh, you should delete your Facebook if you can. As someone who, who works in this uh, world of social media and politics and misinformation and conspiracy theories, I cannot leave Facebook behind. I'm sorry. It's just not possible. Um, but you can get a lot of information out of Facebook groups, especially your local Facebook groups. Um, and I was rummaging through one of my local, uh, a number of my local Facebook groups called Days for Christmas. And I came across this video. Now, by now, you might have seen it. Uh, pretty much every major outlet has picked up this story. Uh, many of them have credited me, which I greatly appreciate. Those of those who haven't, I don't appreciate it, but I'm still happy you covered the story nonetheless. I think the New York Times, Washington Post, a number of local outlets I uh, covered it. A uh, number of mainstream outlets, I think CNN covered it. Um... So basically, I found, I came across this video in this local Facebook group, this private local Facebook group, I should say, because you can't find it if you just search for it, um, where the Whitestone Republican Club decided to hold a Christmas party earlier this month. And it seemed like they sort of did it on the hush-hush, the down-low. I found a flyer for the event that didn't provide a location, or any of those sort of details. So apparently, if you were invited, you got the information, you know? But someone who ran this right-wing Facebook page out of Long Island posted a video, and it was shared in this local Facebook group from the event. And you guys might have seen this video by now, but if not, I'm going to play it for you right now. Give me one second to pull it up. Here we go. Do, 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 do. Here we go. This is the Whitestone Republican Club's Christmas party held during December 2020, uh, right before the holidays, uh, in the middle of a pandemic. person 
conga line. Uh, maybe anywhere from 75 to 100 people at this event, it looks like, I would say. Maybe a little bit less. Maybe like between 60 and 75. 1680. But obviously, well above in New York, the guidelines is you cannot hold a private event with more than 10 people. An indoor private event with more than 10 people. And for a public event, like a restaurant, you have to be uh, below 25% capacity. And dancing is not allowed. Uh, not wearing masks. You can see one person back there wearing a mask. You can see them a little bit better, I think. Uh, right... There, single individual back there, single individual back there wearing a mask. Uh, where is it? Single individual back there wearing a mask. Um, so this was in Queens. Uh, now you probably know why I found it. Uh, the Whitestone Republican Club. And Governor Cuomo even commented on it. He shared the video. So Governor Cuomo has seen my tweets. Uh, too bad he hasn't seen... Uh, I hope he sees the ones where I critique him quite heavily uh, now as well. But um, apparently the uh, New York uh, Liquor Commission, whatever the, uh, the group that, that uh, takes care of restaurants or whatever, um, checked out the restaurant. I don't know if they got fined or if they got their liquor license suspended. These are all things that can happen for you breaking these guidelines during the pandemic. Um, I also, I've not been able to confirm this, but multiple people have contacted me to let me know just today that three of the people who attended that event are now in the hospital. Uh, so this is about two and a half to, th to three weeks later, which tracks... You know, they say it takes up to about two weeks for you to start displaying symptoms. And then it takes could take a couple of days for those symptoms to get worse, for you to need a hospital visit. Uh, I'm able to confirm that, uh, but I was given names which match the names of individuals that I've confirmed were at this event. Um... So I'm not going to name the individuals till that's confirmed 100%, but you're hearing this here first in terms of uh, a news breaking on that. Uh, really, absolutely, truly ridiculous. Uh, everyone in that room, I guess, is about, uh, literally, I think I saw one person who looks like they could be under the age of 40. And, oh, before I forget, um, let me pull this up. Um, her right there with the gray hair. That is Vicky Palladino. She is the event organizer for this. Well, apparently we lost connection. That sucks. I'm back. Okay, cool. I'm not sure what happened there. But, um, am I on the same... YouTube page? Can someone let me know if I'm on the same YouTube page? That I'm unsure about. And I'm not sure why that happened. Let me see. Doo, 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 doo. Oh, cool. It's the same uh, feed apparently, right? All right, cool. I'm not sure what happened there. But the feed cut out for a minute. Okay, so let's get back into this. So 
hope this doesn't happen again. I think there's something going on with my in my internet connection. Shit. But anyway, let's get back to this video here. This lady here with the gray hair, that is Vicky Palladino. She is a... Uh, okay, she is a... I just wanted to make sure I was receiving the, the, the restream was up because uh, I had some issue with that before. All right, so Vicky Palladino is a local Queens far right wing uh, figure. She ran for state senate two years ago, and she's running for New York City Council next year. I uh, hope she doesn't win. Uh, very unlikely. I know she represents one of the more conservative areas of Queens, but it also overlaps with the other more democratic areas of Queens, which, you know, I mean, they usually vote Democrat, but who knows when it comes to this, this uh, wonderful year we've just had. And um, I know her state Senate campaign, uh, her son is a figure, a prominent sort of uh, figure on Gab. And I know for a state Senate campaign, when he was working as her campaign manager, he reached out to a number of uh, white supremacists and neo-Nazis to uh, help boost her campaign. So, uh, you know, she's uh, working with great people there. Uh, so it'll be fun to see uh, her city council campaign go down in flames. Uh, but we'll have to just uh, wait and see. Uh, and we'll have to see what happens with... Uh, coronavirus cases from this party. Really ridiculous. The uh, Cuomo said something like, uh, called it a COVID conga line or something like that. I mean, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Why would, why would you do this? Why would you do this? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? This stream issue really threw me off because now I'm worried it's going to happen again, but whatever. Let me get back in the mode here. Here we go. All right. Um, all right. Let me let me do this right now. YouTube.com slash Matt Binder. Drop a super chat, and I'll make sure I get to your questions, comments, or whatever. Uh, Sasha with the super chat says, love the cut. What's the name of the Midwestern emo band you're in? Heart. Ah, oh, I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've played music. I was in a punk band. I was in a few bands, actually. I was in, like, a screamo band for a short time, too. But that wasn't as successful as the punk band. They were trying to do a metalcore thing. But I wanted to do more of a punk rock, like a... Like, sort of a... Uh, more like a... Texas is the reason style thing. But so I, I sort of force them when you combine the two, it sort of forces them into doing more of like a screamo type. Yeah. But I didn't really scream much. I did like, you know, a punk thing. Uh, my dad says should have never cut the hair, Matt. <laughs> Uh, Zoe says, oh my god, what was the Screamo band's name? I think it was called, and I, honestly I don't remember because it really wasn't that long. It was maybe like a summer I did it for. 
let, they weren't big at all. There was played we played like maybe like two or three shows on Long Island on Long Island, and that's about it. Letters from Verona, I think. It wasn't really my band. It was another band. They already existed called Letters from Verona. I had left my band, the punk band, IFC. I was looking to do something. They were looking for a vocalist. I played bass and did vocals, and I was like, oh, this seems different and interesting. I'll do this. So I uh, was like, let's do it. And so I, I they needed a, someone to replace their old vocalist. I came in, and I did vocals for them. It didn't last long, though. Uh, Alex says, what instrument did you play? Uh, uh, I played bass and vocals. Did I say, say this? You probably sent that before I said it. I played bass and sang vocals. Well, I'm giving the freebies here a little teaser of how the the um the the second half of the show goes. Let's let's save this for the patrons, all right? Let's save this for the patrons. Let's now, after I did that little thing up top, I wanted to uh, also, uh, Mitch McConnell is trying to kill the 2000, no surprise there, Mitch McConnell is trying to kill the, uh, the 2000 uh, dollar, uh, really no surprise whatsoever. He apparently uh, would not bring it to a vote in the Senate, even though it passed the House. Um, Two thousand dollars in COVID relief for everyone making, I believe, it's under seventy-five thousand. And um, Bernie uh, tried to make it happen. Bernie uh, held the uh, held up the defense budget uh, veto uh, over override. Uh, they still haven't done that yet. And. Uh, just making sure the stream's still up. I'm sorry about that. And uh, apparently, after not bringing it to a vote, Mitch McConnell unveiled his own COVID relief bill, which gives $2,000 to every person making under 75, I believe, still. But also adds in the Section 230 repeal, which Trump also wants. And, you know, I see a lot of people... Joking about, oh, how great it would be repealing Section 230 and punishing Facebook and Twitter. And I know it's funny to joke about it, but it's also not what would happen. I've probably, I don't remember if I did that Section 230 episode. I've done so many tech-related episodes on this show. Um, But I don't remember if I did the uh, Section 230 episode. And I, in summary, and if I haven't, I'll, I'll definitely do it. But in summary, Section 230 would definitely affect how we post on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. Uh, they would probably monitor what we post probably before we post it. They would probably have to approve everything. Because Section 230 would take away uh, their... their ba- right now, basically how it works, thanks to Section 230, is you can post anything on any of these platforms. And because of Section 230, as long as they take down material that's illegal or could cause harm or whatever in a reasonable amount of time, they can't be held legally liable for something a third party posts on their platform. So, you know, you can make a post on Twitter or Facebook threatening someone, like legit threatening someone. 
And while the while you can be held liable, obviously, the platforms cannot be legally held liable for you making that threat. Uh, even more, you know, because you know there's so many people who make vague threats online. Let me make someone can post, um, uh, you know, a, a, a horrible. What's most horrible? Someone could post child exploitation on Facebook or Twitter. And Facebook and Twitter can be informed about this. Everyone who sees it reports it. They take it down in an hour, they say. They see it. They're able to, you know, their moderators see it. And they take it down within an hour. Facebook, Twitter, etc. cannot be held legally liable. The person who posted it still can be, but they can't be held legally liable. They took action against it. They're not responsible for that stuff. They didn't publish that stuff. That's what Section 230 covers in that broad picture using Facebook and Twitter as an example. If it's repealed, they can be held legally liable for that stuff. So what would be the easiest thing in the world for them to do? Basically make sure that every single post doesn't get posted right away. They would, you'd probably post something and it'd say, you know, it'll get posted uh, after a certain amount of time, after we, uh, you know, we make sure everything's cool. And Facebook and Twitter could probably hire more people so that it's probably near in real time. You might have to wait a couple minutes. Who knows? This is just an example. I'm using an example here. I don't know how they'd actually handle it. But this is something they can ostensibly do. They have the resources to do this kind of stuff. But your favorite forum, your favorite blog, whatever, you probably couldn't congregate on there anymore. They probably have to shut down because... Joe from uh, Ohio, who basically runs that entire forum that a couple thousand people post on every day, uh, and they post hundreds of posts every day, he doesn't have the resources to monitor that stuff. And he certainly doesn't want the legal trouble if someone posts something illegal on his forum. And even if he takes it down in like 10 minutes, he just happens to be home, he gets the warning messages, he runs and takes it down, he could still be held legally liable for that. He's not going to deal with that. He could get sued and lose everything. And I'm sure this forum doesn't make him much money, if any money at all. So he just shut it down and there goes your favorite niche forums or communities or whatever. That's what would happen in summary if Section 230 is repealed. The big tech companies would find ways to continue running and your experience would probably be a little bit worse than it is right now in terms of real-time communication. But they'd find a way to keep it going. Uh, Your favorite small blogs, websites, forums, they'd probably have to shut down. So this is what Trump wants because uh, he thinks for some reason uh, that uh, Section 230 is what allows them to take down his posts. No, that's called terms of service. They could take down his posts spreading misinformation and lies and calls for violence or whatever because that's in their terms of service. That has nothing to do with legalities of the federal laws. Uh, My estimation, and I've written about this for... Well, this is going to keep happening, isn't it? I think I'm having an internet issue. Uh, but whatever, we'll continue. We'll go on. And if this happens, I'll keep getting the stream back up. So where did I leave off? Oh, yeah. So Section 230, um, you know, in my estimation, what the Republicans want is they know that the platforms, the big tech platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, they're going to continue to take down misinformation. And while they continue this battle against misinformation, they're going to keep sweeping up all this conservative crap that they put out there. This right-wing propaganda that is undeniably false, untrue. 
Uh, you know, we've seen it during the election time when they were just throwing out false claims of election fraud. And before that, they were tweeting out and posting about fake election information and fake voting information. So while the big tech flap, while the big tech platforms, excuse me, continue to take down this stuff, um, or at the very least put warning labels, which you know that's something for another day to talk about. Put warning labels on there, letting people know that this is untrue information. Uh, you know, fact checks. Republicans' estimation is, you know, if our stuff is going to be taken down or added with a war- or put a warning label, uh, put with a warning label then we're going to take down Section 230 so we take everybody else down with us and even the playing field. If we can't post whatever we want, then you can't post whatever you want. And that's what they're trying to do. That's the, I don't know if that's what Trump's uh, big idea is. I don't know if Trump is thinking on that level. Uh, he probably actually thinks Section 230 uh, is bad for him, which is not true. It actually allows him to post everything else and they keep it up. But, um, you know, when Ted Cruz tweets about it, Ted Cruz isn't stupid. There's a lot of things Ted Cruz is, but he's not stupid. He knows what Section 230 is, and he knows what repealing it would do. So when he wants to take Section 230 down, he's basically saying, I don't want you to be able to make your posts because I and the other right-wingers that I'm fighting with for here, they can't do their misinformation, fake, hateful, whatever posts. So, you know, you're going to get punished too. That's what that's all about. So anyway, if there's no more interruptions here, and I'm sure, and I'm sure there will be. Uh, <laughs> someone, I, I, literally, there was a periscope that started for like five seconds. And someone, <laughs> someone replied, that was too long. That's really funny. Um... <laughs> Anyway, um, let's try this again here. Um, now, without any further ado, I want to do, I talked about the uh, what was in the news and what's going on. Who knows if we'll get those $2,000 checks. 600's on the way. Hopefully 2000 will be on the way too. Not Mitch McConnell's bill though, which includes the Section 230 repeal. Bernie Sanders is fighting for $2,000, the good bill, not McConnell's bill. We'll see what happens. But um, now, 2020, year in review. I think the best way to describe 2020 would be uh, doomed. Uh, really, it was a doomed year, wasn't it? I know I put hell year. Maybe I should have put a doomed year, right? That would have been much more... Uh, that would have fit much better, wouldn't it have? But anyway, and I'll probably change the title, actually. Um, so I, I sort of broke... Th- the year down like this. There's sort of four things that define this year to me. And that is, obviously, and we'll go through them all, um, the election, which includes the primaries in the beginning of the year, all the way up to the general election. Uh, The Black Lives Matter protests, the single largest uh, social justice, civil rights protest since the civil rights era, uh, that came about in the wake of the George Floyd police murder in May. Uh, then I've also included in my, in my, I really believe that this is up there, the 
huge, huge wildfires that took place up and down the West Coast of this country. Uh, partially because of uh, the actual wildfires and what they showed for uh, you know, our, our climate future and the misinformation that spread during these wildfires. And then, uh, what was the fourth one again? I don't remember. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so, uh, so that to me, that that's how I, this, like this year has been, you know, that is what this year has been really, that's how you could break down this year to me. I mean, those are the stories that basically uh, pushed this year forward and, and really were the stories that brought you know, I feel like it was a one event to the other, and that's how this year went, right? I mean, uh, let's, I guess, start with the primary elections from, you know, January to, like, mid-March is how I really look at that, right? And it's truly unfortunate what happened in the primaries, in my opinion. I mean, Bernie Sanders looked like he was on his way to winning the primaries, becoming the Democratic nominee, uh, he started off doing better than he did in 2016. In 2016, he did fantastic. In 2020, he looked like he was uh, on his way to doing even better. And then South Carolina hit, and he, he tanked. And no one really to blame but the campaign themselves, sadly, because it should not have been such a shellacking. Um, and then it was all downhill from there. Uh, truly sad what could have been. And we somehow end up with Joe Biden, uh, who honestly, uh, I mean, I want to say we couldn't have done worse, but I honestly think I prefer Biden over Pete Buttigieg. Um, but couldn't have done any worse, minus Pete Buttigieg. It's going to go down again. All right. I mean, I'm going to keep, obviously, keep the stream going. Uh, this sucks, but what a way to end the year, right? I mean, nothing better than a stream that keeps going down over and over again. Uh, I think I last off with, uh, so we're left with Joe Biden. And, uh, you know, it's it sucks, but that's what we were left with. And uh, the primaries could have gone much better, unfortunately. Maybe if it wasn't for the coronavirus. Uh, and the the campaigns were able to get out there on the streets and actually do campaigning. But who knows, you know, the, 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 the centrists all lined up behind Joe Biden after South Carolina. And that was it. Uh, all the votes basically went down to basically either Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. And unfortunately, when you had so many candidates lined up behind Biden and you had all their supporters then line up against, line up behind Biden, excuse me, then uh, it, it sucks. It's crazy that that happened this year, though. It honestly feels like an eternity. Everything like pre-mid-March feels like an eternity to go to me. I don't know how you guys feel, but so you know, January to March, that's the primaries, and, and they didn't go out. They didn't go the way we wanted them to, in terms of the left, at least the way the left wanted them to. And then the coronavirus hits the U.S. And, you know, it, it was truly a frightening thing in New York. I mean, I'm not saying, like, I was, like, living in fear or whatever, but uh, as the, the Republicans like to, to, to joke about when they say, oh, you know, if you want to live in fear and not go about your life, then you could go ahead and do that. Uh, no, that's not what it was. It was. People were actually staying home because they didn't want their loved ones to get sick and die. 
it wasn't like people were hiding under their covers. It's a pandemic. They were doing what they were supposed to do. Um, and, you know, I, 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 living in New York City during that time, I, I'll never forget the constant tr- stream of ambulance sirens driving by. It was... And, you know, I'm used to hearing ambulances, obviously, living here in the city. Um, But it was truly a bizarre time to be living in this, you know, living here. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. It was, I'm just thinking about it in my head right now. And it's, it's, it was crazy. And the scariest thing about it at the time was we didn't know anything about what was going on. You know, there was all these stories about, and legit, I'm not talking about misinformation. I'm talking about like legit stories between doctors like discussing the proper way to go about doing this, like taking care of patients. And and some were wrong and some were right. And they were finding exactly in the early days what what COVID-19 was doing to people once they were infected and showing symptoms. And how does it spread? And what do we do to, to contain it? And, you know, not knowing how long we'd be in our homes and not see our families. Many people still haven't seen their families because of this. Remember, we're in an ongoing pandemic. Uh, but at the time, you know, without any sort of end in sight, it was just, you know, I, I, I think it was, you know, March, April, May, dark times, 2020. I mean... Doomed is the way to f- it, f- it felt, truly. Um, and then, you know, we learned more about it and it's still, we know how to manage it now. People during the summer, I think, were able, you know, as long as they weren't immunocompromised or, or in certain age categories that put them in specific risks, they were able to put masks on and go for walks outside for some fresh air and you know go to the grocery store and you know pick up items and then later on some people felt comfortable enough to eat outdoors um and then here in new york you know later on even you know later on i think like end of the summer people were allowed to start eating indoors uh with certain guidelines and and you know mask wearing and and precautions and um, capacity limits and I stayed away from eating indoors for the most part. In the beginning, for sure. And then I think I ate indoors with my with with, with my my partner and my two children, I think two times this year in total. Uh, and it was specifically during times when, A, the restaurant had to have very good separations in terms of separating the tables, and then B... Um, capacity. I don't care what their capacity limit was. If we saw there were people in there, we didn't go in there. So we went to two restaurants, I think, just because we needed, it was like, you know, we had the kids out and it was like, we needed to be out with the kids somewhere. Uh, And we, I think there was maybe like one other party both times sitting like on the other side of the restaurant. Otherwise we we wouldn't have done. It just felt really, for, for me, it felt... You know, I, I, the the number of people dead 
I mean, I'm just talking about like how it affected our, our people's lives in terms of like just like regular daily routines. Like, you know, that sucks, obviously, but that's not really what's important at the end of the day. I mean, I honestly didn't really care about not going to restaurants anymore. It's fine. I could have skipped those two restaurant visits if needed, if we were told we couldn't do it. Um, and, you know, going on walks, obviously necessary for just your mental status, I think. I, if, you know, I think walking, getting some fresh air is good for you. But again, if you didn't, much worse can happen. But we are over 300,000 dead in this country. Like, what a complete failure on every level. Um, <laughs> Clambake says in Twitch, says, what's going on here? Did you have a job interview with my haircut? No, I just wanted every, I, like, two to three times a year. I can't even break into the, this is really just like a shit show of a show, isn't it? Like, just like this year, isn't it? Um... Every, like, two times a year, I do a haircut just to refresh everything because my hair gets long and when it gets to a certain length, you know, it gets, like, you get, to, like, the split ends and it gets, like, sort of you know, a little bit too... I, I need to just freshen it up so and then I grow it back out. That's all I do. You're not going to see me, like, constantly cut my hair to keep it this way. I need to just cut it and get a fresh, like, head of hair growing in. That's what's happening here. As Renee says, Captain Caveman needed a prune. Exactly. I could not put it any better way, Renee. Thank you. That must be the most eloquent thing you've ever said, Renee. Honestly. Daniel says it's the 2020 tribute shit show show. Right. Right, it is. So it makes sense. that The stream's already gone down. I can tell you right now how many times it's gone down. One, two, three, four, five... One, two, three, four, five. It's gone down five times. This is the sixth time. This is the sixth version of the stream right now. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think now the difference between ha under, living under coronavirus last March, April, May, June, and what we're going into now. We are, by all stretches of what's going on here, um, going into the worst of it in terms of overall cases, the time of the year, obviously. So, so we're also going to be dealing with normal people getting the, you know, the cold, the flu, non-coronavirus ailments that come during the winter seasons due to the cold. Um... And obviously, you know, it's just this warmer parts of the country, but even they get a little bit colder. And what's going to happen is what's already happening. There's more COVID cases than there were at the previous peak in the early in the earliest days. And we're, you know, New York may have less deaths than we had in those early days, but the country overall is is hitting new records almost every day. We're having. We are basically having a 9-11 every day in this country now. We, we surpassed that, actually. We had over 3,000 3, deaths on certain days, just in one day. And 
And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's like really, hold on, I, I just saw that the stream was going down for some people, so I'm preparing for it now. This is what I'm dealing with now with this, this stream. Um, you know, but it's really, you know, there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel now. There are vaccines now that we didn't even know was going to be a possibility at this point in time nine months ago. And those vaccines are being rolled out. And eventually, at some point next year, probably towards the end of the year, most people in this country will be, will be vaccinated. And maybe, hopefully, you know, things are never going to go back to normal. I don't know what, and I don't, I honestly don't understand how we haven't prepared for the new, the new world. Do I think we'll be wearing masks forever and there won't be big events where you could have hundreds or thousands of people getting together for a concert or whatever? No, I think that'll come back eventually down the line and we won't be wearing masks forever. I mean, maybe some people will after a lot of Asian countries dealt with SARS. They made mask wearing a habit. Not everyone wore it, but a lot of people did. I mean, I, I live in Queens, so I know in this uh, borough, there are areas in this borough with large um, populations of uh, people from uh, Asian uh, countries. And I've seen it myself. And uh, People wore masks way before uh, COVID in this area of Queens. Not everyone, but a significant number of people. So I think some people will continue wearing masks well past this, but it won't be a mandatory thing. Um, but, you know, we, there, there are, again, there'll be probably, I don't know how many people are going to die, more people are going to die, so I'm not going to speculate there, but we already have 300,000 plus deaths. There'll be many more. Uh, that's a lot of people who died in just nine, ten months. On top of all the usual, uh, you know, numbers of people who die from other ailments, non-COVID-related ailments every year. Um, there are places that, you know, part of, that are part of communities that you love, you know, establishments, venues, arts, uh, you know, places of the arts, um... You know, even small businesses, restaurants, whatever. Again, these are, you know, not the end of the world, but these places won't come back and that'll change your community. People have certainly moved out of communities, moved out of cities due to what was going on in various cities based on how they were dealing with the pandemic. Those are people who will leave a hole in those cities and bring whatever they had to other cities and take whatever they had going on in their former homes with them. Um, you know, it, it will definitely be different. There are people who will, without a doubt, not come back in terms of financial uh, placement, who will not be able to pay back thousands upon thousands of dollars in rent that they owed. And maybe their credit is now shot because they're in debt and they can't find an apartment. They can't find a new place to rent. They're left homeless where they move back in with family, setting them back who knows how long. And the families they would have had, if there were no virus, they that's pushed back or perhaps canceled altogether. 
which is very sad to even think about. Um, I mean, there is untold things I probably not even. I mean, I, I probably think I'm not even thinking about right now that this virus has changed, and it doesn't have to be that damaging to be honest. If this government, if the United States government namely the Republican Party and the Trump administration who oversaw this, took care of its people. And the Democrats who failed in many aspects as well. As well. I'm not both sides sizing this. The Democrats were largely okay to good, depending on the Democrat, on this issue, but they failed in numerous instances as well. Yes, the responsibility, responsibility largely lies with the Republican Party and the Trump administration, though. Uh, they were the party in power during all this. Um, you know, it is, you know, there, there'll be, you know, things that people won't get back. Uh, things that are replaceable, but can't be replaced. Things that, that are irreplaceable and can't be replaced. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's sad to think about. And I don't know, I don't really know what else to say in terms of, um, you know, exactly what else is lost. Um, you know, families will have members who were just gone forever, uh, well before their time. You know, I know most people who passed hit elderly people, old people of older age worse, but there are people who were lost. They were, you know, I've read stories about three-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, I don't know people who are like, yeah, you know, if you're 60 and you get it and you, nah, I mean, listen, my, my parents are in their 60s. They could have, I will, God willing, you know, and I don't even believe, but God willing, um, or the world willing, They'll be around for much, much longer than they could be. 60s is you know, 20, 30 years long. My, my, my grandma lived to 96 years old. Um, you know, so if someone lost a 60-year-old parent or grandparent to COVID, that's 30-plus years maybe they would have had more with them. That's a child born tomorrow having their grandparent till they're 30. You know? It's sad to think about. Um, Brett Brett says, uh, my brother's friend died from it recently. Dude was 25. Yeah, I mean, that is sad. A 25-year-old. Um, and it hits everyone differently. That's what, you know, the, I'm glad it's like this for this example. Usually, um, when there's a, a you know, a, a disease, a sickness, they usually say it hits the young people, you know, babies, children, and old people. They're the most vulnerable for some weird reason. And I think it's bizarre, but it's a good bizarre it doesn't really affect most children 
as badly. It's not something that is like, oh, you know, young people really need to, I mean, obviously they should take precautions because you never know if you're going to be one of those young people who do take it badly. But it's not the same as, you know, other sort of bugs we're warned about. Uh, Babies especially. I mean, you know, again, like I said, I've read a story about a three-year-old dying. But, you know, if this was not like this, we could have had even a, a, a more chaotic situation with mass amounts of children being lost, just as many as, you know, elderly people we lost. And thank God it was not like that. And I hope they do the research into why that was, because it certainly sounds like something that would be important to know why young people were able to uh, uh, deal with this disease, this this virus, uh, the much better than they you know than it could have been. But again, you don't know if you're going to be that 25 year old who Brett Brett's uh, brother knew. Um. You know, we, we, we don't know. And so that's why you take precautions, you know? Um, and yeah, I, uh, sorry for your, your you and your brother's loss, Brad Brad. That's, that's very sad. Um... That's, what is this? Louisiana Republican Congressman-elect dies of COVID at the age of 41. I mean, there you go. This is just a breaking story I just saw pop up. 41-year-old. Louisiana congressman-elect was going to Congress in Louisiana state, uh, s- state. Jeez, I mean, how did he? You know, uh, it's 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 sad. It didn't have to be this way. It's very sad. Um, so let's move on to the next major event that happened this year. And let's talk about, uh, you know, and COVID's ongoing. I just want to throw that in there, obviously, in case anyone's listening and thinks they're going to just go off and, uh, (laughs) oh, that's it. 2020 is ending and, uh, that's it. No, no, I mean... It's still mind-blowing to me that we this country handed the people in this country $1,200 at the beginning of the pandemic and are just now getting around to doing another payment of 600 Are you kidding me? We should be just really stunning. Um, anyway, the next story I wanted to talk about that defined the year, this doomed year, is, you know, actually probably one of the more uplifting stories of the year, in my opinion, and that's the Black Lives Matter protests, the huge, I mean, 
huge movement we saw all across this country from big cities to small towns that have never seen protests before in the wake of the police uh, killing of George Floyd. Uh, It was just another horrible, horrible, uh, you know, one that's become way, way too common in this country. Uh, Police killing of an unarmed black man. Uh, George Floyd, apparently, uh, I don't even remember what, because it's so, it honestly is so unimportant why the police were called. He apparently stole something that cost like five bucks or walked out with something that, I don't even remember it, to be honest. Because the story of what he did totally is so, no one is killed, let alone even arrested in the manner he was apprehended for walking out with something from a store. So police show up at this store and they throw him to the ground and knee on the back of his neck, he's screaming, he can't breathe, he can't breathe. And he literally, the life just leaves his body right there under the, under the police officers. And it was just, and there was video. I think that makes it so important. I know people say, you know, I'm sick of these videos. But you know what? When there's video, I think it just, just because of the nature of humans, it just cuts harder. I know it's like watching a snuff film. I know it's it's disgusting sometimes, but I if you don't see the difference between these events that are caught these uh these these horrible killings, I should say, that are caught on camera and the ones like, you know, Brianna Taylor unfortunately. And Brianna Taylor got a lot of attention too in the wake of all this. But again, imagine if what happened to her was caught on video. There would have been an uproar, a much bigger uproar like it was for George Floyd right after Breonna Taylor's killing. And it wouldn't have had to happen after George Floyd's killing and people, and more people, I should say, got a hold of what happened to Breonna Taylor as they were interested in, oh, what's what's going on? Black people have a different have a different experience with the police than everybody else in the United States of America? What? Never heard, I mean, trust me, there were people who were whose eyes were open this year, and that's good. I mean, I don't know where they were, what rock they were living under, but I'm all for it. I'm not going to knock people... For, for for opening their eyes and actually learning about what's going on. A little late, but you know I'm not going to... Good for them, honestly, for getting involved and uh, learning and understanding. I, I honestly am being serious there. Um, you know, but... With, you know, if, if there wasn't that video, I don't think it would have affected people in the way that this affected people. And I really think this too, the COVID lockdowns and this what was going on in this country and how people were just being honestly just treated like shit. I think in general, people had enough. I don't think they were out there protesting the lockdowns, obviously. But I think, you know, when they saw the, co- they saw the, uh, the, the, the video and they were just all this pent up stuff and they were just home and just... Especially, like young people were, were were spearheading this latest Black Lives Matter movement that arose this year. And I just think they were home, and they were, you know, they 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 couldn't see their friends, their family members, maybe even their parents, and you know, they they just it was just like 
I got to do something and this is what I'm seeing I could do something about right now without, you know, you know, without, you know, losing my mind, you know, they, they would say this felt positive doing something, raising awareness and, and, and marching through the streets and wanting accountability from the police for these killings and wanting, you know, the, the government to do something about these police killings and, and for, you know, and for this not to happen because it just gets to the point where it's ridiculous. Honestly, I, I don't even, it, it's well past that point of ridiculous. Um, that this is even happening in this country at all, let alone at the, uh, the, 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 how common it is. And, you know, there was obviously a lot of misinformation spread during this time period as well. And I think that riled up the whole uh, response to these protests um, you know, there, there were, you know, there were, these protests were big and some of them got, got violent and rowdy and there was looting. And I mean, that's the looting. Uh, I don't have a problem with it when it comes down to it. I honestly, um, I, I think you should pick the right targets. Do you, do you, do you loot, do you go after a local community Staple? No, I think that's kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, they usually are very supportive of protests, and a lot of them were. But you know, when 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 you're upset and angry, and you're not being helped, and there's a pandemic, and you see this police killing, and and it just and it's all just building up. I I understand it. I understand people being upset and just someone does that initial break or garbage can through a window and then it's just there and you just take it out on that, you know? It's just, you know, and, and the misinformation about what happened. And again, that was such few and far between instances of that though, of like violence and looting. It was literally probably like Max five days after George Floyd was killed and the protests were at its peak. I mean, they continued throughout for a long time, but those that the initial like week, maybe that a few days there was when it was a little bit like out of uh, you know out of hand. I mean, that's not what I think it was, but to other people, to people viewing these protests. But the misinformation about these protests lasted for. Jeez, I don't even know. What is it? Months. Months. Into the summer. Well into the summer. Like August, September, I was still seeing misinformation about the protests. Uh, fake bullshit posts spreading all over social media and Facebook groups about Antifa arriving in small Bodunk towns with like populations of 200 to, to burn down these towns and, and all these, you know, these right-wingers in these towns would would come and, and gather with their armed waiting for the busloads of Antifa because they were duped by these bullshit posts. I mean, that definitely caused a lot of the tension this year, honestly. A lot of it was misinformation. 
And then that's a good time to segue into what was another big event right after those protests. And that were, quite frankly, the largest wildfires in the history of this country, I believe they were. They were record-setting wildfires all along the West Coast. A regular listener of this show had to evacuate her home, and she called in to, to tell us about it right before she evacuated, in which I uh, famously, infamously, uh, as she called in to say she was about to evacuate, said, hey, do you have a few minutes to stick around? And proceeded to keep her on the phone with me for like 15, 20 minutes as she was uh, trying to evacuate. <laughs> um, I, uh, she stayed on. She could have said she had to go, you know. Um, as Zoe mentioned, uh, off of what I was just talking about with the protests, Kyle Rittenhouse got out scot-free and uh, Michael Reinhall was murdered, right? Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed two Black Lives Matter protesters at a protest. Uh, he is now free on bail. And Michael Reinhall, who was uh, allegedly, allegedly, because we don't, it was never, I mean, he never had his day. Uh, and the video is is not as clear as the Kyle Rittenhouse one, but Michael Reinhall allegedly was the person who sh- shot the uh, Patriot Prayer protester who was uh, spraying him with uh, bear mace, I believe it was. And he shot him and killed him allegedly. And uh, police showed up to uh, apprehend him apparently. And witnesses say they never gave him a chance. He never drew a weapon on them, according to the witnesses, and they just shot him dead. Multiple, like, just, like, complete, like an assassination, to be quite frank. And, uh, yeah. All right, back to the, uh, back to the, um, uh, wildfires. And I want to, again, apologize to Mariah for not letting her evacuate originally. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to have to get on the phone with my internet service provider tonight and uh, let them have a piece of my mind. I'm probably not going to do a patron show tonight because as you can see, it's kind of getting to the point of absurdity. So I'm going to finish the freebie show and then I will join patrons for a show in the coming days. Just a patron show, I promise. Back to the, 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 the wildfires, right? That was the uh, event I was talking about. So it was, you know, a sort of foreshadowing of how bad it's going to be <laughs> when we have the coming climate catastrophe. I mean, it's already rearing its ugly head, isn't it? And it's been for, for some time now. But, um, you know, we are going to basically live in this sort of new world where I think these wildfires are not... You know, that the, the record wildfire that happened in 2020 on the West Coast, uh, you know, that record will be broken again soon. Maybe not 2020, maybe 2021, maybe not. But in the coming years, yeah. I mean, it's going to be bad because we're not doing anything about it, really. We're really not doing what needs to be done about it. And, you know, I, I quite frankly think, uh, oh, and this is what I wanted to say next. And, you know, when we had the misinformation about the elections and the misinformation about the um, protests, the Black Lives Matter protests, those are like, you know, the worlds we usually see misinformation in. You know, I'm not, you know, 
Oh, and the coronavirus misinformation, which, frankly, that's in of, of itself. I can't believe I forgot to mention that when we're talking about coronavirus. This li- this live stream stuff is really throwing me off with the issues we're having. But um, the misinformation, you know, there's always been anti-vaxxers, and there's always been uh, people spreading propaganda about politics. But the wildfire misinformation, that was really something else. And you had officials trying to fight the wildfire while also dispelling these rumors and fake news stories that were literally sending armed people to the scene of the wildfires, which obviously complicates things for the people, complicates things for the people trying to fight the wildfires because they were ready to fight Antifa members who they heard were starting these wildfires. Just complete bullshit on the internet. You know, that was stunning to me. That was like misinformation that was truly like, that was, you know, that is something that I don't know if I was prepared for. And it was so batshit crazy. And again, it spread like wildfire. And, you know, it's, it was, it was just stunning to sort of have to see and, and contend with as, you know, you think this catastrophe this with these wildfires is enough to deal with. And then you have just this, this political element to it, which really makes no sense because it's just profoundly not true, complicating matters. It was just, you know, it was really... Uh, you know, a moment that made me think, like, fuck, this shit is... We're, we're doomed. We're doomed. And finally, let's get to the election. Uh, so, primaries, COVID, Black Lives Matter protests, wildfires... And then the presidential election. I mean, I personally uh, was relieved that my map was right. <laughs> no, but I was, I, you know, I, I think Trump losing was an important element uh, to basically getting out of the funk of this year. <laughs> um, I, I truly do think a Democrat would have handled the 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 pandemic better. Um they would have been more prepared to deal with it. They would have listened to scientists and not worried about the economic downfall uh a fallout I should say right away. Um I don't know if they'd given people more money. That's where we'd probably be focusing our fight. But in terms of the overall death count, I think it would be a lot less because I think there have been mandates and legal ramifications for people who did not take care of themselves and others. And the, 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 the survival of monetary, uh, the rent and all that, yes, that's a, obviously, it's so big. But that would have been where our, the focus would have been, I think. And maybe they would have given more. I think they would have given more money. I don't know if they would have given more frequent payments, but, but each payment that came would have been more. And maybe there would have been an extra payment or two. Uh, we'll just never know. It's all hypothetical. When Joe Biden gets elected, they, every Democrat should be... I mean, when Joe elected, when Joe Biden gets inaugurated, every Democrat should be pushing him to be fighting for 
passing uh, regular payments till this is all done. People who are drowning in debt need extra need payments. People who are f- drowning in back rent. I've read stories of people who who even if they get money and you know for to the twelve hundred six hundred dollars. Uh, and then even if they are in a moratorium of evictions and they're still in their homes, they owe thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in back rent. So the second those evictions uh, moratoriums are over and all they got is $600 in their pocket, how are they going to pay the $5,000 back rent? They're still going to get evicted. So, you know, people need help right now. And... I think under a democratic president, I think at the very least, the science of it and the health element of it, the medical element of it, will put us in a better position. We'll be in a better position, I should say. And hopefully, hopefully, um, Democrats will fight for more from an economic perspective. Again, it's, you know... We know who the Democrats are, and I can go further into this in another episode. Um, but you know, we are basically just going to be in a better position, I think, without Trump as the president. And there is an important election for the Senate. Jeez, it's coming up with just what in a week. Um, if those two Elections in Georgia go Democratic. Democrats will have the White House. They'll have the House. They'll have the Senate. <sighs> Back again. I'm going to try to wrap it up now. I, I can't keep doing this. It's honestly really frustrating. <laughs> I can't keep dealing with this internet issue. I'm sorry, everybody. So I'm going to have to just um, wrap it up. We're at like an hour and a half but with all the drops. Probably about an hour long show here. So um, it'll make do. And then we'll have to reconvene another day for the rest of the uh, patron show. Um, So hopefully with the... uh, Trump is still going to honestly be a huge, huge influence on the Republican Party. He's going to really be like a shadow president. The media will no doubt continue to pay him all the attention in the world. It's going to be ridiculous. And... Um, um, and he really is going to have a stranglehold over uh, this country, honestly. I think he's going to really have a say in how the Republican Party moves going forward. Obviously, the Republican Party is shit. But um, I'll tell you right now that the Trump, it's the Trump Party now, and they'll... Uh, They'll continue to do what he wants as he continues to be a force in politics, which will, again, continue even when he's out of office. So at the very least, with a Biden presidency, my hope is that we'll deal with the pandemic. Uh, This country will deal with the pandemic in a uh, more responsible fashion in terms of at least how the government can respond to it. Obviously, people will do what they do, right? Um. And that'll be a big help. And that's really where I was solely focused on. Like this year, I was a single issue voter when it came to the pandemic. It was super, super important that the um, 
that you know the Trump administration's bog bongling of this was that the word was that a word of the word I'm trying to looking for uh, came to an end to be quite honest and and we will deal with everything else uh, in the coming days and months and and even more so as the pandemic obviously is better dealt with but I, to me that was the issue that needed an immediate attention and uh, you know thankfully that's what happened. And um, so, yeah, that was the uh, 2020 year in review on this episode of Doomed that seemed to be run much like 2020, thanks to my internet connection, constantly cutting out and screwing this whole episode up. Uh, I'll do my best to edit it together during the uh, for the podcast version of the stream. Um, you know, we, we lost a lot of people this year. Um, sadly, again, over 300,000 deaths just in this country from COVID. Um, and, you know, I, I lost a, a, a good friend this year uh, in Michael Brooks. Uh, was not due to COVID. But again, like I said, you know, there, there were 300,000 plus deaths on top of all the people who died of non-COVID related reasons this year. And, um, you know, Michael's death hit me very hard. And I'm sure a lot of people were hit very hard by Michael's death this year. And I felt like this episode would be weird without mentioning it. Um, you know, there were other deaths this year that hit, uh, that I thought about a lot. Um, I don't know if you guys know uh, Andrew Kaczynski, who's uh, on Twitter, K-File. He's a CNN reporter. Um, he, his, 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 she's, what was it, like, his daughter, under a year old, sadly passed away on, what was it, Christmas Eve? Very, very sad. Um, and I thought, you know, as a father, I thought about him a lot when I heard that. I mean, I don't know him in real life, but we've talked a few times online, uh, shared some private messages with each other, being that we were both fathers, about fatherhood. Um, and, you know, I, I thought of him a lot when I heard about all this going on. Very sad to lose a child. And, um, you know, on the opposite side of the, the, the spectrum, I thought a lot about um, recently, there was a recent pro wrestling death just a uh, day after uh, Christmas. Uh, this wrestler, uh, Luke Harper, died again of a non-coronavirus-related issue. The age of former WWE guy was currently in AEW, died at the age of 41, and his death hit me specifically pretty hard. You know, I've saw him for like a decade now. He would He's from Rochester, New York. I saw him at many indie shows. Again, I didn't personally know him, never shared messages with him, but I saw him a lot at shows, and he's a great, great talent. And you hear all these, you know, and he was, apparently from what I heard, one of the uh, nicest guys you could meet, but I thought a lot about him because... Everyone said he's a very dedicated father. He's got two children uh, around the ages of my kids. And again, much, much like I thought of um, Andrew with his child, I thought of these poor children losing their father and how, you know, what a, what a, what a, what a year, you know, man? And, you know, I've just been thinking of those sad, very sad deaths, just honestly, just nonstop these past few days. To end 2020, really just like a gut punch to end this year, you know? And, you know, I hope everyone um, stays healthy and safe. Um, let me read these, uh, uh, these uh, 
Super chats real quick. Because I, I can't leave the super chats hanging. I feel bad. Renee says, speak for yourself, moderates. The rest of us were prepared for the coup in despair. Oh, Renee, when I was talking about the primaries. And Riptide with the super chat says, hey, Matt, I shot you a DM on Twitter. I'd love to have you on my conspiracy theory debunking podcast. Stranger still. Keep up the good work. Uh, I will check out my DMs, Riptide. I'm very behind on the DMs, but I, I'll check them out again. Um, and uh, I uh, will definitely love coming on your show. I love going on other people's shows. Seriously, I'll be happy to go on your show. Um, yeah, so, uh, let's, let's, you know, I'm not someone who believes that years mean anything. I've said this before. It's, you know, time is a human thing, how we decide to tell time. And I've never been like, there's no reason for something to be completely different in 2021. There's no reason. The world doesn't know that January means it's a new year. The, the world continues on being shit. You know what I mean? But there was something very specific about this year with the pandemic that made it feel like it was, and you know, a very shitty year. So maybe we could do a reset in 2021, you know? <laughs> um, I, uh, I uh, hope everyone stays happy, healthy, and safe. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Um, hopefully we don't lose, I mean, we will, it's the way things go, people will die, but I hope everyone you know is, uh, stays happy, healthy, and safe as well, and, um, so he says stays, right, if you're not happy, healthy, or safe, I hope you become happy, healthy, and safe. Um, I don't know when I'm going to do the patron show for patrons, but we'll have to reschedule. I'm about to call my um, uh, internet service provider right now. And uh, maybe the weekend? Maybe tomorrow, the 30th? I don't know. I'll let you guys know. Uh, probably not the 31st or the 1st, but um, the weekend seems likely. Um I have to tell you guys something, too, before I let you guys go. Maybe a teaser to become a patron. Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. I was about to drink my one and only, maybe one of the last in existence, too, Jolt Colas on the feed. But later. For 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 for, uh, for patrons. After drinking the uh, 10-year-old Fago's last uh, episode, I was going to do the, uh, the Jolt... Joe, we'll have to wait for the next episode for patrons. I'll have to put it back in the fridge. Um, but uh, yeah, until uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, see you in 2021. Uh, and see you all next time on Doomed.